Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining. And as usual, there's so much to talk about. After a busy uh, week so far of Champions League action, contrasting fortunes with uh, English clubs, of course. Uh, Europa League action to look forward to tonight and the FA Cup semi-finals um, to look forward to um, back at Wembley. Um, and I'm delighted to say, um, joining me this week is Jeremy Cross, Chief uh, Sports Writer of the Daily Star, Chris McKenna of the of the Daily Star, and Matt Dunn, uh, back in his uh, wonderful office with all the Rothmans on, on display from the Daily Express. Thanks so much for joining us, um, guys. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Now, listen, we should uh, actually, as we as we start the show, let's um, let's just t- perhaps take a moment to. Uh, to to reflect because it is uh, the uh, anniversary of Hillsborough, of course, um, this week, and the, you know there's um, been so many uh, messages posted on, on on social media, and you know when we when we talk about fans and the importance of fans um, in, in the past year or so, we should never ever forget um, the '96 that uh, went to a football match and never never came home. So due respect there and uh you know sending every every wish really to to uh to to the families um and everyone connected really um but look from from that somber note we 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 are going to start also at anfield looking back upon um uh, liverpool real madrid last night um it was bizarre really i sort of had the luxurious position of of having two games running at, at the same time one on one on my tv and one on my ipad and uh, the the natural instinct i think was to put liverpool on 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 the big screen thinking that you know there wouldn't be any chance of an upset with their uh, man city so the more likely story would be real madrid but chris you were there and i have to say the story never really completely unfolded did it as as we might have expected? It didn't really look as if Liverpool were going to turn that round, did it? From, from the moment Mo Salah missed that early chance. Yeah, I think it, it might have been a different night if Salah takes that in the second minute. Um, I think it was a sense of kind of what if for Liverpool last night, like not just even from the chances they did miss last night, but also from the first leg. The way they played in the first half, the way they pressed Real, they gave them something to think about. Now, uh, Obviously, Real's kind of game management uh, came into it in the second half, but Liverpool had have maybe played with that kind of intensity early in the first leg. They might have might not have lost three one and might not have had such a mountain to climb. But I think, yeah, the case of what ifs. Um, but in the end, I think obviously the the better team over the two legs certainly certainly went through, and um, it might have been different. Salah scores that, and if it was a full house and the place was rocking last night, maybe Real might have felt a bit more pressure. But as the kind of game went on, they they just took not control of it, but they never looked flustered. They never looked panicked, even when Liverpool were kind of camped in the half at times. Mm, yeah, it was it was a strange one, really. I did did expect more of a. 
a, a battle really from, from, from Liverpool, bearing in mind, of course, this might be their only path back into the Champions League next season, if you like, because they are facing an uphill struggle to get back into the Champions League. Did, Jeremy, did you expect them to, to put a bit more of a fight? Um, I thought night? they played quite well last night, to be mm. honest. Um, the, the damage was done, obviously, in the uh, in Madrid um, the week before. Um, they left themselves too much to do. I mean, Chris referenced the fans. Obviously, Anfield, a quite an empty Anfield, is you know a world away from all those famous nights we've been to. I know me and Chris were at that. I don't know if you were there, John, but that night, famous night when they came back and walloped Barcelona four 0 to mm. get through to the final. That was an amazing night. I'll never forget that one. Um, and it's just not like that anymore. Um, but, you know, irrespective of whether Anfield's full or not, um, this Liverpool side, to me, looked like one that's peaked now. You know, they've, they've been an intense team for two or three years. They've had remarkable success. Um, and you just look at them and think, will they ever get back to that level again? I know City have obviously set the bar very, very high this year. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think they, they need an overhaul, but... Um, you know they need they need some serious tweaking in the summer. It needs to it needs to get some people out of the door and get some fresh faces in. Um, but yeah, just going back to last night, they, like Chris said, that they, they Salah could have had a hat trick. Really, you know, you get an early goal and everything changes uh, the dy- dynamic of the game. But um, they didn't deserve to go through over two legs. And you know, while people talk of comebacks and you know Liverpool have obviously reached two of the last three finals. Um, They've come up short badly this season. So, you know, I think they got what they deserved in the end. And obviously now the focus on trying to finish in the top four. You know, they're only three points off the top four. And now I was looking at the fixtures this morning. The last four games are against Southampton, West Brom, Burnley and Crystal Palace. So in normal world, you would say they probably would win all those games. But we just don't know, do you? Because they've been so inconsistent this season. The fall from grace has been remarkable, really, when you look at the big picture. So, yeah, they have a chance, but they're relying on others to do them favours and that's never a great position to be in. No, it's not. Matt, Matt I, I'm sure you watched the game last night. It was uh, There's always a lot of talk about Real Madrid and particularly this season. They're not the team that they were. And and yet, they still get the job done. They're still in the Champions League semi-finals. They're as close to, you know, the, the, the top in La Liga, as, uh, you know, as you, as you would as you would wish. It's so tight there, by the way, at the top of La Liga. It's incredibly exciting there in, the, in that title race. I, I don't know. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, we're probably not giving Real Madrid that much credit, are we? We're sort of kind of looking at this semi-final and saying, oh, it's all about Liverpool not being very good. Well, the reality was they're still up against a very good team, weren't they? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, if, if this is a bad season for Real Madrid, then, you know, count, count any other club in the world in, you know. it's yeah. it's it, But that's because it's part of the institution of Real Madrid. Yeah, that, that's what they do. It's what Manchester United, when they used to have a slightly off-season, used to do. Uh, and Liverpool before them, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Um, and they, they just they just know once they, they've done the damage, you know, in the first leg, they just knew how to see the game through. There were a few minor scares early on, but I'll be honest, I was the same as you with balancing the two tellies and, and fairly soon into the second half, the, the old big screen switched over to, to Manchester City because it was just clear that, that Real Madrid had enough now uh, and enough experience in these situations to, to, to get to the line. And, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was impressive to watch, even though it wasn't particularly interesting. Mm. Yeah, never Cross, quite. you got to remember, Real Madrid... 
they have a, they have a remarkable ability to peak at the right time, in, especially in Europe. I mean, we all know how, what a fantastic record they've got in Europe. And you look at that team, you know, they've got they comfortably got through Liverpool in two legs without the two best defenders, Ramos mm. and Varane. So, you know, I don't know if they, those two will be fit for the semi-final against Chelsea, but having those two back is going to be a real fillet for them. And, um, you know, you look at Benzema up front. I mean, what a f- fine, wonderful striker he's been for Real Madrid over the years. He's got so many goals. He had to live in Ronaldo's shadow for all those seasons. And he's still there scoring goals and still a great forward. Yeah, he is. Zidane, too, I think, deserves a lot of credit yeah. because... A lot of when he when they were when he was winning stuff early on as manager, it was all put down to kind of Ronaldo. It's yeah. Ronaldo's doing this, and Zidane was just kind of some sort of mascot as manager. But he's obviously shown now that he's not really rebuilt the team. He's made tweaks without Ronaldo, and but they're still competing at the at the very top level. So I think his kind of CV, not CV, but credentials as a manager, have really gone through the roof in the last few years. Yeah, no, he really has. Um, the other the other player that sort of kind of catches my eye on the back of last night, and you know, it's been a typical almost of his of his season, really. Trent Alexander Arnold, who came in for so much shtick, didn't he? Uh, after that first leg game, um, you know, it was pretty unremarkable sort of game for a lot of players last night, really. But you know, he was <laughs> the, the the winner, uh, you know, against. Um, Villa on, on, on Saturday had a lot of people crying again, kind of sort of saying, you know, the, uh, you know, that will really show Gareth Southgate who was sat in the stands really. But I, you know, I, I don't know where, where are we on, on Alexander Arnold? I definitely have him in my England Euro squad, by the way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's, you know, the complete player. Does he sort of kind of defensively and, and offensively? Matt, what, what do you make of, what do you make of Alexander Arnold and where he is right now? Where he is right now is, I think he's one of the world's greatest right backs. But there's times you just suspect he's probably not quite as good as he thinks he is. It's a really harsh thing to say of a humble lad, but I think he focuses too much on what he can do going forward um, and sees that as a big strength to his game, which it rightly is. And perhaps he is too good a footballer to, to be a right back or a right wing back all his career. But what he's got to do is, same as Gareth Bale did, you know, he was a left back for, for long enough. I don't think he's quite ready to make that transition if that's how he sees his career panning out from left back moving far up the pitch yet. I don't, uh, you know, I think he needs to learn his trade a little bit more. And I think that's what Southgate's trying to do to him uh, by leaving him out of that last squad. Uh, you know, why, why go and watch him again, you know, if, if your mind's made up? Um, I, I think Southgate wants uh, an Alexander Arnold with all his ability with all his talent, with all his attacking potential, but one that's willing to listen, be told to, to you know, to drop back in and, and do whatever he's needed to do defensively. Because against the very best teams in the world, you, you don't need a, a really flair right back. You need somebody to, uh, you know, to hold up, hold the line for for ninety minutes and, and leave the others to perhaps nick a goal. He's a great player to have when you're trying to break teams down that are, you know put six across the back and you need as much width as you can get. But but I, I think that's the message to him. I think he's. Do you know? Do you know what? If it's good, enough, and, I, and I don't mean uh, it sounded really awful saying that he's a better player than he thinks he is. I think Carl Walker went through something a little bit similar hmm. about a year or two ago, uh, and when Southgate dropped him from the squad, uh, and I think now he's come back and he's enjoying playing right back 
more than he ever has done in his career because he sees it as a series of one-on-one challenges and he, and he tries to make something of himself there and he's kind of learned how to be a right back rather than be a good footballer. And that's what I think Southgate's hoping is going to happen for him anyway, because for whatever reason, he's not playing as well for England or he's never played as well for England as he has done for Liverpool. The mm. glaring difference, Crossy, between Walker and Alexander-Arnold is Walker relishes the defensive side of the game. You know, he's a physical defender. Alexander-Arnold looks to me like a defender who feels like tackling someone or stopping, a, stopping an opponent is a bit of a chore. He just goes out there and he wants to express himself in the in the positions half of the pitch, which makes me wonder, well, if you want to do that, why don't you convert yourself into a right winger then and play play further forward? Don't be a right back anymore. Be a right winger. Mm. Yeah, Chris, I don't think Chris, Klopp would ever doing problem that. at Liverpool to do that with Mo Salah. <laughs> is it going to be no. hard displaced in that kind yeah. of way? Yeah, how long play? is Salah going to be at Liverpool for? Yeah, well, that's another point. Alexander Arnold could be at Liverpool his entire career. He's a, he's, yeah. a, he's a Liverpoolian and he's still very young. I just think he's, he, he's going to miss out on the Euros because he's def- defensively he's not strong enough. He's not a good enough defender at that level. Walker's a better defender. And while Alexander Arnold offers a lot more going forward, Southgate's got so many options in attack. Mm. You know, he doesn't need him in that, in that role. But long term... You know, unless he improves his defensive abilities, he needs to think about that. Yeah. Chris, it felt to me as if Klopp was really hurt by the by the omission of, of, of Alexander Arnold. I mean, he brought Messi into the conversation, didn't he? I mean, it was just um, you know, I, I I think he sort of really saw it as a sort of a slight. You know, am I reading am I reading that wrong? Did, I mean, it, it, you know, is it, it, Klopp? You know, Klopp encourages his fullbacks to get forward. And he's got two of the best attacking fullbacks in the league, hasn't he? And they play to Liverpool's strengths. They are part of the dynamic which made Liverpool the best team in the league and in Europe. Yeah. So I guess you've got to have some sympathy, haven't you? That basically he's been told to play that way at club level, which isn't necessarily the way that he wants to be played at sort of international level. And and maybe, just maybe, that's a fault on Southgate's side. I don't know. You know, what? how do you see that dynamic yeah, Klopp is obviously he's, it's his boys. It's always that kind of attitude. He will always he will always try and protect them um, when they're getting criticism. But the thing the thing with Trent Alexander and that Liverpool team, if you take the best Liverpool team where everybody fit, he's playing in an offence. Okay, he plays on the side of either Joe Gomez or Joe Matip, but it's still a Van Dijk in that defence who covers a lot of ground. But also crucially, he usually has Jordan Henderson in front of him who covers a hell of a lot of ground and offers that protection when the full-backs bomb forward. Now, Henderson, even when he's been fit this season, hasn't played in that kind of role a lot. He's been in the back. He's been in the number six role because Fabinho has been at the back. So with that midfield, it's not being the same. So I think Alexander-Arnold's not had the same protection, which has kind of maybe exposed some of those defensive frailties a bit more. Um, so from that sense, and that's where I think... The challenge is for England because they play differently. They don't play that three-man midfield across that he would have that extra protection there. But, I mean, from my view, it's like you can argue if, if he should start, if he's in Southgate style, but I just can't see how you can have him in the squad. I mean, what an option to have to bring on or in those, if it's not working in the Euros against this kind of smaller teams and they can't break it down, that you've got, a guy who last night created, I think it was five chances before the hour mark on his own. Um, 
how could you not have that creativeness in your squad from right back? Um, if he's not, if he, if Southgate doesn't think he's defensively sound enough to start, that's his decision. But I just can't see how he's not in the squad. Um, and but yeah, Klopp will 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 uh, always come out, and especially a younger player as well. He's not going to let him take a lot of flack, and he's going to come out fighting for him. Yeah, would he be in your team, England team for the Euros, Crossy? It's really difficult. I, I, I personally think that still England are not secure enough. I'm not completely convinced. I don't like a back three, actually. I think it's a bit of an ugly formation at times. And sort of, I think sort of, you know, a four is, it also enables you to be more attacking. But I'm not sure that England has the defenders to kind of play a four. And if you are playing a three with wing backs, Alexander Arnold, absolutely all day long, it starts. You know, it just can't even be, it's not even a conversation in my view. You know, it's just, you know, it's great. Uh, listen, Rhys James might turn out to be, longer term, the better option in terms of absolutely everything because he is very good going forward. He is very good sort of kind of, you know, um, tackling, tracking back and, and that sort of thing. I think there's still an element that is still not great defensively. Um, you know, he could improve in in that, in that area. But I think he's got the potential to be the complete package where, you know, Carl Walker gets in because he can play in the right side of the three, he can play right back. And, you know, Trippier is having this season of his life in Spain. You know, he's not been quite good so far since the sort of the turn of the year and the ban and the controversy. But honestly, you ask people in Spain and sort of Atletico Madrid have been top of the table for much of the season. And Trippier, you know, for the first half of that season, he was their best player. Mm. And it just doesn't get fed back in a way, in a way, and it's just, you know. So I, I think, think Trippier's problem though is he's kind of too similar to Walker. Yeah, probably. Uh, so why would you take both? You know, uh, he's going to have to use both because of the, the demands on fullbacks. He's going to play two players in that position during a tournament. Mm. But but why not have uh, a Reese James or a Trent Alexander Arnold? as an alternative to Walker. That's a, that's the problem with uh, Trippier. And I think it's incredibly unlucky because he went out and found some football, which Southgate wanted him to do. He's like you say, been playing at a very high level, oh, yeah, but he just doesn't seem to, he seems to have tumbled down the pecking order a little bit. Yeah. Um, and mainly because Walker, to be fair, has pulled his socks up and, uh, and looks the part again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but does Walker start as England's right back? In I think he does in most defenses for the reasons you said that you need a back four. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he's part of our strongest back four. Uh, mm-hmm. And because he's played kind of in that inside, play, one of the three inside players, he's got the football now to, to cut in when he sees that um, Stones has, has gone wandering around where he shouldn't be or whatever. He, he's got the ability to, to pick up the pieces a little bit. And it's going to have to be a collective performance for four of them to be strong enough to keep the better teams out. Uh, and that's, that's why if you're playing against... You know, one of the one of the weak teams. It doesn't happen quite so much in the Euros as it does in the World Cup. But but if you do play against the weaker team, uh, let's say Scotland, um, then uh, you could perhaps put Trent Alexander. Fan those flames, Dunny. <laughs> Good luck with that. Stoking the other thing, Crossy, that Walker still has and always mm. has had is that precious commodity of blistering pace. He's yeah. still a remarkably fast player for his age. He's in his thirties now, and he's when you watch him, he's just he can get himself or a uh, or teammates out of a lot of trouble with his with his pace. He's, he's the fastest player I've ever seen. 
Yeah, he's astonishing, isn't he? He's explosive yeah. pace. He should, be, he should be a 400-meter runner, really. Yeah, he's a great athlete. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But there you go. Anyway, listen, guys, let's move on to Man City Dortmund and, and the game going on in the other small screen for for, for, for for three of us, at least. But it was just... um, It, it was fascinating, really, because I do think that sort of Jude Bellingham was just, uh, you know... Yeah, it, re, re, regular listeners and viewers will know that I'm I'm in, I'm in love with Jude Bellingham, and it just thought he was absolutely sensational in that first half, absolutely amazing. Um, did it all, scored, you know, cleared one, you know, covered every blade of grass, absolutely astonishing. And you just thought we began to think couldn't happen here, could it? Because I mean, Dortmund were ahead on having scored, they were ahead on away goals, and it, it was yeah, yeah, it was heading to to disaster. And then City's turnaround was just astonishing. Wasn't it? Wasn't it really? Matt, Matt, how did you, how did you see the game sort of kind of pan out and go and sort of kind of well, where a city right now? Well, I thought earlier it's one of those things. That, the first thing is if Dortmund did had got through, mm. then we'd have all been quick perhaps to jump on Guardiola's back and said, "Oh, he's mucked up." I don't think he got much wrong last night. Mm. Um, that they scored early as it happened, Dortmund, but but it was almost like City had another gear to go into. Uh, and the reaction was, was impressive. De Bruyne led as always, um, it seemed. Um, uh, and yeah, Bellingham. Bellingham's performance early in the early part of that, I think, has booked him a place on that bus because I think Southgate's forward thinking enough to believe that you know we would quite like to be in Qatar with, with Bellingham having had a tournament under his belt already. Uh, and what an impact he could perhaps make on that. He's not necessarily going to be in the part of the first team this summer, but but I can't believe he won't he won't travel and be part of it. Uh, and that's the kind of performance that shows he's ready. You know, he's ready for it. He's not going to be out of place doing it. He's not just going to be there as a mascot. You know, he, he's going to have a part to play if need be. Uh, and then how wonderful that another young England player should you know settle City's nerves with a. Cracking goal, and uh, you know we're talking about Foden and Bellingham in the Champions League rather than you know Spanish players and Italian players. Uh, City were impressive. I think they're going to be the team. I, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, semi final um, because uh, the, you've got the the pace of Mbappe and whatever is not going to be. That's going to really test City's defence and Stones and everything. Mm. But at the same time, the general, I think they're a better team, City, um, by a level than PSG are, um, with the exception that, that they have a couple of exceptional players. Um, I think that'll be a, a fascinating semi-final and, um, uh, and beginning slowly, it's beginning to look like Guardiola could finally reach that Champions League final and perhaps win it. Mm. Blimey. Yeah, I, I have to say, City. Were, were, I mean, De Bruyne was, was was magnificent, wasn't he? I mean, Jeremy, do you, do you, do you see City getting past PSG? It's a hell of a game now, isn't it? Yeah, look, it would probably be the final. Most people's choice mm. of the final, given the four teams that are left in the competition now. So, I watched the highlights of the PSG game. And I've always thought Neymar. I know this might sound crazy, but I always thought it was a bit overrated in terms of, you know, he was sort of, he was always compared with, bracketed with Messi and Ronaldo. I always thought those two were in a league above Neymar. Don't get me wrong, he's a wonderful player, but he was sensational last night. You know, he missed a few chances at the post a couple of times. And his link-up play with Mbappe is lethal. So, you know, it's going to be a a classic showdown between City's impenetrable defence and and the flair of, um, of PSG. But I still think, you know, 
City have absolute top quality right from back to front. You know, De Bruyne is probably the best player in the world now, I think. Mm. No one would argue with that uh, statement. And he's running games, massive games for City. Um, Foden's on fire. You know, this season he's really emerged as a generational talent for England, I think. Really, really exciting player. Um, and the, the winning these games, I mean, the second half... They would dominate. They dominated Dortmund. Let's be honest. I know they had a. It, it was. It was on an edge for an hour, maybe. But you know, you always knew City were going to find a way through and break them down. That's what they do to teams. They they just have so much possession. Just wear teams down and then patient. They stayed patient. You know, there's no panic in there. So yeah, City will edge it for me. Um, but it should be an absolutely fantastic um, two games. Yeah, I do actually know what you mean about Neymar. Neymar left Barcelona to try and step out of Messi. Shadow, yeah. Shadow, basically, didn't he? I mean, mm. he really did, you know. And I don't, I, I, it's, it's, it's a weird one, you know, because sometimes you, you're left frustrated, and, you know. It's just, yeah, I was covering the other game the other night, so I didn't really sort of kind of see it in his, yeah. in his full glory. But it was just, wow, you know, people were saying that he was just absolutely unbelievable. But he is, he is an interesting one. And, of course, it's Pochettino, isn't it? It's Pochettino. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest manager in the world, isn't he? With Andy not here. Well, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, he is. He is. If you live south of the Watford Gap, <laughs> of course. You know, he's not so only look, the, yeah, the greatest, the greatest manager yeah. in the world, but the nicest bloke in the world, of course. As he, well. he could end up getting sacked this summer if they don't win the league. Well, it, it's in, Chris. Honestly, it is quite funny, isn't it? Now, because yeah. it, you look at you look at the league table and you think, well, are they going to win the league? Sure, you know, Pochettino will surely win his first trophy as a manager because no one could at PSG could possibly fail not to win the league. Mm, not quite sure about that. <laughs> well, Celtic <laughs> didn't win the Scottish <laughs> League this year, did they? So, no. You know, strange thing can happen. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. It has so, a good dimension to it, though, because obviously Pochettino yeah. was in charge of Tottenham who knocked um, City out in, help me out here, was it 2019? 2019, 2019 yeah. And I was at that, that game at, um, at the Etihad, how Tottenham got through that. I, I just, it still baffles me, really. So, yeah, they were very fortunate and they went on to the final, but... So that adds a bit of extra spice to it because Guardiola will not want to lose to Pochettino again. Yeah, that's a great shout, actually. There's a bit of revenge there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there was even a little bit of talk about sort of if Guardiola was to go, then would Poch be his natural successor? Um, there we go, building him up again. But um, it's, it's uh, you know, it is amazing. And and Chris, Man City, where they are, they've found this rhythm, haven't they? I mean, De Bruyne last night, you, you know, probably didn't see it as all its full glory because you were covering Liverpool, but, you know, Man City are just in the groove at the moment. And you'd have to say that you'd, you'd fancy them to, to, you know, be favourites, wouldn't you, to reach the final? Be favourites to reach the final and win it. I think this mm. is, is, is their chance. I think, uh, as Jeremy said, it's like back to front, they're, they're brilliant all over the pitch. It's, it's, probably the best team that Guardiola's built um, at the club at, at City um, and yeah it's, it's kind of if they don't win it this year it's kind of like is it ever going to happen kind of thing for them because mm. as you say Barcelona are not the team they wear they're out um, yeah PSG have got Neymar they've got Mbappe but defensively they're vulnerable and if they offer up the chances they did to Bayern if Bayern had had Lewandowski, I think it would be a Bayern City um, semi-final. Um, if they offer those chances to City, I think City could could easily stick two, three 
past them. So, and then the final, as I say, yeah, Real Madrid, brilliant, and we were hailing them earlier, but they're not the Real Madrid of, of three years ago, maybe. So, yeah, I think it's this is their chance um, and to go and do it. And what a, what a team that fit in to win it because, as you said, it's all over the pitch. They've got quality and they can leave players like Raheem Sterling on the bench. They can leave players like Foden doesn't play every week and how good mm. he is. Like it's he would walk into any other team in the in the Premier League and a lot of them in Europe and he he can sit out games for City and City can still win comfortably. Uh, De Bruyne can be rested. Um, it's incredible, really, when you think of it. And good players like Gundogan as well doesn't play every week. So it just shows the quality that, that they have all over the pitch. And I think this is the year for them. The quadruple, it's definitely on. It's very hard to do. It just takes one slip up and it's gone. But the Champions League will be the one that Guardiola wants. And I think this is his year to get it. There were no match for Leeds last weekend, though, were there? Well, exactly. Leeds are on another <laughs> level. Bielsa, Bielsa balled them out. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's funny when it, we've been saying all season, it, it, sort of Guardiola is the master at sort of kind of integrating players, rotating sort of a five at a time. Probably went one step too far because it was a completely different team, completely different structure, wasn't it? Yeah. I do think it was, it was, yeah, City didn't look like City. But equally, how fun was Leeds? I mean, how fun. Yeah. It's just brilliant, isn't it? If I'm a Leeds yeah, fan, they, I'm thinking, they, 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 you know, they've come up with no expectation and they've just entertained the life out of us. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I don't, not don't many teams would go down to 10 men at City and be getting pounded like they were and still believe that they can win a game. Mm. They did. They just did them with a sucker punch at the end. It was a remarkable finish. But just going back to City, um, mm. if he wins four trophies this season which would be obviously historic. Where do you go after that? What do you do next season? I mean, you can't win a quadruple every season. So yeah, as remarkable as it would be, you know, it's only going to go back one way from there, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Then winning two trophies. So if two trophies next season or three, even if they win three trophies next season, it's always going to feel like hmm, a bit of a disappointment. Remarkable as it sounds to say. So it was going to feel like a bit of an anticlimax compared to that famous season when they won four. Do you think? Do you think? I, I think City all, fans will say, "Let's four. just win the four now and then worry about that after." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if he won all four, do you think he'd get manager of the year? He'd be up there anyway. Someone will still say David Moyes. Uh, <laughs> as good as David Moyes has been. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That no, said, if he doesn't win all four, I'll be tempted to, to go for Moisey. Moisey, I'll be else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, one of those two, definitely, definitely. Um, listen, let, let's have a look, a little look at Chelsea because I tell you what, Thomas Tuchel, when we talk about managerial jobs, what a job that Thomas Tuchel has done. Um, yeah, since taking over at the end of January. I mean, it's astonishing, really, isn't it, really? I mean, obviously, you know, they had that de- defeat to West Brom a few weeks ago. But apart from that, it's literally been not a bad moment in the game. I mean, it's just, rem- I mean, they were very, it was, it was a poor game the other night. I mean, you really had to, yeah. you had to be, you know, you had to be paid to be to be watching that, believe me. But, you know, Chelsea got the job done. It was professional. They're Porto, a very difficult team to play against. You know, Matt, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't much fun to be watching that knowing there was a cracker on the other side. I was going to say it kept tempting to flick across, wasn't it? But, mm. uh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it was job done, wasn't it? Um, I quite like Tuchel. Mm. I, 
I've asked yeah. him in the press conference beforehand if he was confident he had the the character to to get through this second leg. And he said, well, you wouldn't want to pick a fight with Tony Rudiger, would you? And you just think for him to drop that in after everything that's got on that's supposed to be bad, um, that you know, with the, the signs that the cracks were appearing and him to be that much on top of everything, that that these eight will, you know, to make it, whether it was intentional or not, allusions to it. Um he just seems to have broken everything down simply for the players, given them very straightforward objectives told them what he expects of them and he's got good enough players to to um yeah to get the job done so far and with, with the defense apart from West Brom where everything went missing uh you know for 90 minutes um then you know they don't look like conceding goals and uh, when you've got that a bit like Real Madrid you know you've always got a chance and yeah it'll be a bit interesting semi-final on their half of the draw on that because, mm. yeah, I don't think it'd be an open encounter. But yeah, as we were discussing before, Real Madrid aren't the team that 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 they have been in the past, and they're going to have a battle on their hands. Because and I'll tell you the other thing: the only good thing about watching um, Chelsea on Tuesday night was watching Kante come back flying, and he's a player I love to watch whenever he plays, just because you're just amazed at the ground he covers, the where he pops up next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, with him, if he's fully fit, then, you know, he can do the job of two people, which which just turns the whole thing in your advantage. And, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one. I don't think it'll be a particularly thrilling one to watch, but, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that'll be a proper battle to, to see who, who fills up the other half of that, that final. Yeah, if you're a lover of, uh, if you're an appreciator of defensive midfield play, you'll see two probably the finest in the world in that semi-final with Casemiro and um, Kante. Yes, they're both, they're both masters of their craft. Yeah, you just watch those two play and how they do their roles in that their respective team. They're wonderful players. Yeah, Casemiro's really interesting, isn't he? I mean, sort of kind of you've singled out. You know, over the course of the Liverpool games, you know, really yeah. sort of kind of has, has been such a such a key, and you can un- understand why. Kante is interesting because he's the mi- last couple of seasons, including this, he's missed a fair chunk through injury, and you think, well, you know, is he going to slow down? And then he'll come back and play like he did the other night when mm. allegedly he was half fit. <laughs> putting yeah. a performance like that I mean it's astonishing absolutely astonishing he's managed yeah. it well actually too sure because I think it, it didn't yep. start him in the first game in uh, against Atletico and it was like you, you thought crikey you wouldn't, couldn't ever imagine in times gone by that Chelsea would mm. go into a game of such significance without Kante in the team but clearly mm. he wasn't right to play and um, you know hopefully if he can if he can stay fit between now and the end of the season Chelsea could end up winning one trophy maybe two yeah, it is amazing. I mean, that's the, that's the point, isn't it, Chris? I think that Chelsea have, you know, I mean, I think Frank Lampard did a really good job at Chelsea, as, as you might have gathered. Um, but I, Every you know. time I come on here, you, you put me on the spot about Frank Lampard. I don't know if you get another question about that. No, it was more you about... You play the role of Andy Dunn, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was more about, in fairness to Tuchel, he kind of has come in and sort of just... Where if if Chelsea were sort of maybe a tipping point in their season and Lampard had taken them so far, Tuchel's Tuchel's management has managed to kind of you know give them a, a another nudge if you like because to be in now the Champions League semi final in I would still make them really 
you know, big odds to 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 make the top four. I still fancy them to make the top four, if I'm honest. Um, and, and, you know, in the FA Cup semi-final as well, that's one hell of a season in prospect, a hell of a, you know, finish to the season. The job that he's done has been remarkable too, sure, isn't it, I think? Yeah, and, and Chelsea could be the ones that stop um, City's quadruple in both competitions mm. there. Obviously got the FA Cup this weekend, which we'll talk about, but... And then the Champions League, if they come past Madrid, which you, you would definitely think they're capable of, it's not going to be an easy tie, but you think they, they can come through that. Mm. City-Chelsea final, you wouldn't be going into that thinking, oh, this is a guaranteed win for City, is it? Not this Chelsea. If it was Frank Lampard's Chelsea, I think you would. I think mm. Tuchel's just, it's that kind of experience. I know he's a young manager as well, but it's that experience of elite level management of game management that they just seem to be so much better at um, and defensively they just seem more sound they seem more of a well-drilled team and he's taken the talents that Lampard had and he's kind of just um, just added that kind of experience um, more kind of tactical nose to it and it's just a far more rounded team and a far harder team to break down as well unless you're West Brom playing against 10 men who they, they found the key so just follow that path You've got to remember, Cross, when he took over Tuchel, we were all right. We were all slightly surprised by the fact that he only got an 18 month deal. And, yep. you know, that that was highlighted in pieces we wrote about. And the general consensus was that he asked to get them in the top four to get a longer deal. You know, it was essentially on trial. That was only yep. in January. Mm. January. Yeah. January, yeah. And we're now middle of April and we're talking about, you know, a team that. We all think we'll get in the top four. They could get to the FA Cup final, albeit they've got to get past City. And they've got to last four of the Champions League. So, you yeah. know, it's been a remarkable turnaround. And he's yeah. just, you know, when you look at players like Rudiger and Christiansen, you know, they were they weren't even in the team and they were they were out so out of out of favour with Lampard. And whatever he's done to those two in particular. Who knows what the secret is, but they look like revitalised players under under Tuchel. Yeah, do you know what I found the, the biggest breath of fresh air? It's just the way that he, he, listen at the moment. The only the only you know the way that you contact with a manager is through his press conferences. You know, and that's, as a fan, you know, as a journalist, and and it's on Zoom, so it's a bit disconnected. It's a bit you know, it's not natural, is it? Really, let's be honest, sort of thing. It feels totally weird sitting in as I am now in the office in the back of the garden, and suddenly, by magic, the sort of kind of Premier League manager appears on your screen. It's a bit, it feels a bit weird, but basically, he's just been fantastic. You know, and the, he's. I had this perception of him and, and it was largely from covering games when he was at Dortmund, you know, once sort of PSG, but well, he seemed a bit moody, a bit, you know, sort of, you know, difficult and sort of had this reputation, albeit very good for producing young players at Dortmund. I have to say, I think that was vastly misunderstood. Um, and, uh, you know, it just seemed to be, you know, always at war with someone, always looking for picking a fight. And he's just been a breath of fresh air. He's been fantastic in press conferences and sort of kind of the well, way. Well, he has, but they've been winning games, Crossy. Oh, of course. You may, you may see think. a different side to Tuchel when he has a bad run, and it will yeah. happen because that's just life. Yeah. But, you know, I think you're right. In that and it will definitely happen at Chelsea, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's what well, they do. You know, like, there was obviously that training ground bust up, and he handled yep. that pretty well. He's made a joke of it, you know. And, you know, I suppose if, if Chelsea had been losing games and that would have happened, it would have been 
an issue. But those things happen up and down the country at clubs all over the, over the land every week, probably. I know Chelsea are obviously a massive club, but so it gets it gets highlighted. But you know, I thought they dealt with that pretty well. And um, yeah, he's been he's been a great addition to the Premier League to English football. But I can't wait to see the other side of him because obviously he does have another side to him. We've all seen that before. Um, and uh, it will come when they lose two or three games on the spin. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, good... Chelsea win the Champions League and the FA Cup. Does he get manager of the year? Well, <laughs> yes, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest. If you think about it, it'll break down. I think he would, yeah, to be honest. I'll tell you what, while we're talking about press conferences, I think it'd be quite interesting. It's just because, Matt, you and I were there at Spurs on Sunday, weren't you? And basically it was just the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer v. Jose Mourinho was really quite funny. And then basically it's just, you know, because Jose then had a bit of a rant, actually it was in response to my question, not as particularly aimed at me or my question I hasten to add, just when I asked about Son just trying to get a line, basically. And um, a line of, of, of story, I should add. Um, and then basically the... Um, I, I mean, it was it was classic Jose, I felt like, distraction tactic. But it was, uh, you know, Solskjaer had said this thing about sort of kind of, you know, if, if if a player had gone down or if my son had gone down on the pitch like Son, then I wouldn't feed him, which mm. I have to say was, it was said pitch side. I think one of our colleagues was sort of kind of, wasn't he, mumbling under his under his under his face mask about something Solskjaer saying something pitch side, basically, to Sky. I hadn't got the foggiest what, what the quote was or, or what the quote, uh, you know, the full the full quote or the full context of the quote, other than basically he was, he was accusing Son of being a, it being a cheat. And so then basically, obviously, if he'd said something completely outrageous to which we knew about, we'd, we'd definitely stick it on Jose because, Joe, you know, you'd get a better story, wouldn't you? I mean, it doesn't take a genius to work out that journalist puts, you know, inflammatory Absolutely. quote, to, quote to, to most excitable manager in the Premier League. I think you're going to do that um, uh, if you know about it. And it's, you know, it was bizarre, wasn't it, afterwards? But Jose's deflection tactics, Matt, I mean, just to sort of kind of sort of say, I can't believe journalists not asked me about it. And I can't believe that Solskjaer, you know, has sort of said about it. I think they they, they did have a bit of a TTRT in the tunnel afterwards when Jose stuck it on Solskjaer's toes. And Solskjaer, I don't think, didn't know quite what to do, basically. But yeah. it was it was, it was was a fascinating look at Jose and his uh, I was just out of personal interest as much as anything. I dug a little bit into the background of all this. And um, uh, and many, it's an excellent service, to be fair to them, the BBC. We all pay for it, after all. Um, they uh, take all the quotes off the television. And when you're live at a game sometimes, that can be quite helpful being able to see in written, you can see all the managers lined in front of you, agonizingly too far away to hear a single word of what they're saying on all the broadcast interviews while we wait for our turn to, to do the final Zoom press conference. And um, and he'd obviously said this, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer obviously said this thing, you know, about not feeding, in, feeding his son if he'd made such a, a meal of things. Um, and I know that Jose was pointed out those quotes off that BBC feed as he was waiting to go into his Zoom conference. And as coincidentally, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was just coming out of his Zoom, of his main press conference. So I don't think he went looking for him, but it just so happened the two managers met. Uh, and Jose wasn't going to take that as an opportunity not to to put, have a word with him. He'd had a word with him at half time about some of the things they were saying touchline side. So he obviously wasn't impressed with, with Solskjaer's behavior throughout the game. Um, 
But then in that press conference, you you were told, right, final question, John Cross. Um, and that was the fourth question of that press mm. conference. That was all we got. So the fact that none of us really, you know, anyone who was clued up, perhaps, uh, wouldn't have had a chance to have asked that question. He's right. Of course it should have been put to him. Uh, and that's Joseph's beef. He sees it as an agenda against him. But then by going off on, on answering... Well, we, can only put, we can only put it to him if you know about, you know it. about it. Exactly. <laughs> but but then by, by... But he decided that was an agenda and it was you know, something darker going on, the fact that we did know about it but were choosing not to ask it, which is obviously nonsense, as you'd explained. You know, what, what would be our interest in that? But then, yeah, it is absolutely classic. Jose knows how the papers work. He talks about, responds to this, gives a few choice quotes back. Suddenly the back pages are all about Park and they're not about the fact that his team were woefully short of competing with Manchester United, um, will not be in the top four, which is what he was told to do this season. And um, uh, and uh, they're in danger of imploding with, with top players leaving in the summer, which are, are what we should all be talking about. In fact, ironically, the one fight he did choose to pick, he's a very interesting man because I looked into it. It's a, a really good... Um, documentary had fairly low um, uh, launch uh, uh, back in January called Sensational on uh, Prime Video. Um, his dad's a very interesting character, and I can't believe Sonny's never been sent to bed without his dinner before. So <laughs> even his argument that, that his dad was a better man than Ollie's doesn't seem to have been a particularly clever one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but then we're all still, still talking about this a week later and, uh, you know, not talking about what we should be perhaps talking about or what Jose doesn't want us to talk about, which is he's absolutely failed to do what he need. He was brought in to do, which is get Spurs in the top four. Uh, yeah. And unless he has a remarkable run in, which Spurs don't look capable of at the moment, that's something that, you know, Levy should be thinking about a lot more carefully than, than poor Jason, um, poor, um, human song getting his, his supper tonight. Um, yeah, it's classic Jose. And, and yeah, he had a bit of a point about not being asked about it, but he knows what he's doing. And he knew that by raising this, you know, he was hiding a lot, under, brushing a lot under the carpet that, that he really didn't want to be talking about. Yeah, no, Were you ever that. sent to bed without your dinner, didn't he? Well, often enough, Crossy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just worried about Solskjaer's children, to be honest. This isn't the first time he's threatened that he wouldn't feed them. So I think he said it earlier in the season as well. So Did he? Yeah, it was a, another incident where he said an opposition player, if they did that, if his son did that, he wouldn't feed them. So something going on in the Solskjaer household, maybe. I don't yeah, know. yeah, that's parents. It's a massive few weeks, isn't it, for, um, for Tottenham when you think about it, because... They could, they say, could it's a massive a few weeks for Solskjaer's kids. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they, could, they could be. I mean, it's very doubtful they're going to beat City um, in the League Cup final. But if they did, they've won a trophy. You know, if he wins a trophy and doesn't get him in the top four, that, where does that leave Levy in terms of what does he... Oh, I think we... Have we lost Jeremy there? We've lost Jeremy there. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy got so carried away with, with thinking about Spurs winning their first trophy in 13 years that basically it's all gone I don't, I don't even think that's a conversation. I don't even think that's a conversation. Spurs, all, all we've heard for the last 10 years is when Spurs are going to win their next trophy. And it's just so, you know, if, if Mourinho wins the League Cup, it's his first, top of the first trophy in 13 years. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just, you know, just change, that's only complete game changer. I know it's not enough, you know, he's, the Spurs want more, of course, but it's just the notion then that basically, you know, Joe, it might still not be enough. It's just daft. 
they've won a trophy. Yeah, it gives them another year, I think, doesn't hmm. it? It gives them another, or at least this, another a start of the season and if they start well next season. But it also gives them that coveted Europa League conference place, which will oh. be... Massive. Which will be key, of course, to keeping Harry Kane and keeping yeah, Harry Kane happy. Uh, Harry Kane's dream as a kid growing up was always to play in in the third tier of European football, basically. Absolutely. I mean, I do, I do jest about Harry Kane, but I mean, the notion that the basic Harry Kane, you know, has sort of kind of said, oh, I want to leave this summer because, you know, want to go and win things. And Daniel Levy are just sort of open the door and say, go on, son, on you, on you go. Good luck with that. It's just, it's just beyond beyond parody. I think that Daniel Levy will, will sell Harry Kane when Daniel Levy thinks it's right for Daniel Levy to sell Harry Kane. That's the long and short of it. And if that's that, that this summer, then, well, I'd be surprised. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see. But it will be an interesting one, really. But it, Arsenal, um, let's, because uh, I think Man United are through against Granada. I think we can accept that. Arsenal playing tonight, of course. Um, it says here on the script, written by someone else here, that, that uh, maybe it's the Arsenal press officer. Um, but, but basically, Arsenal it could be a chance to talk about another exciting youngster in Martinelli. Might not win anything now, but could be a great era for Arsenal in a year or two. Um, which is a very, very, you know, kind of um, nice way of putting on, uh, uh, basically, uh, nice put a spin on it, really, because uh, it is a huge game for, for Arsenal and Arteta, I think, uh, tonight. Because, I mean, it's, it's make or break for their chances of getting into Europe. Um, you know, I think their only sort of way back in is through the Europa. Has been an underwhelming, frustrating season, sort of topped off by that sort of kind of first leg draw when they concede that that, you know, the away goal very late on. You know, Matt, you were there, weren't you? I mean it was a typically shambolic defensive um thing. I mean I've been enthusing about sort of Arteta all season and even I'm beginning to think, mm, oh gosh, you know, where's the, where's this going? I've no doubt it'll be getting getting a chance into next season and, and that's the way it should be. You can't change another manager again, but clearly things need to change and improve, don't they? Oh absolutely. It's uh yeah, I mean I've been waiting to see any sign, any metric at all that you can say Arsenal are improving. Mm. Uh, and even Arteta himself can't put his finger on it and say, he just says we're changing things at the club, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they're lowering the division. You know, he's told at this, the season, you know, if nothing else, get us in the Champions League because of the money. And he seems to be going hell-bent for nothing else. Um, mm. It's just a car crash. You know, they're not even going to qualify for the Europa League on merit of their Premier League performances. Um, and to think that of an Arsenal team, even post-Wenger, you know, it's just alarming. Meanwhile, he's he's upset his captain. You know, he's um he he's got rid of the, the most talented player and ushered him out to the wings, uh, you know, and off off to to the into the sunset. And and he's developed a few young players, but they were around before, and they're going to keep developing. Martinelli is another, you know, well, he's not. That's hard to pinpoint much of that on what, what Arteta's doing. Um, you know, they're just good young players, a few good young players. Whether they're good enough to carry the dross that fill most of the positions in that Arsenal team, that there are players who just aren't good enough to be a top four in a top four side. Mm. Uh, and yeah, when, when Xhaka's your main leader, you've got a problem. It's not no disrespect to Xhaka. Well, some disrespect to Xhaka. <laughs> huge but, disrespect but to Xhaka. A huge amount of disrespect <laughs> to the people playing alongside him. You know, he doesn't have leaders. And it comes back to the thing 
that you don't need to be showing passion. Yeah, actually, you do need to show passion because sometimes you need to lift the players around you. So you could be feeling it all you like, but you know, the senior players then need to be feeling it for those that perhaps do need a nudge. Uh, and there's none of that at Arsenal. There hasn't been for a long, long time, going back to before Wenger left. Uh, and no one seems to be addressing that. You know, the problem's down the spine of the team. They can't defend down the middle. You know, you sort of, we're praising Guardiola for, for sorting that out this year. That's, that's just the basics. You sort your centre-backs out. You get two centre-backs. We see what happens when Liverpool suddenly haven't got two centre-backs. You know, it, it, it's basic stuff. And for Arteta to come in, have had some transfer windows and not really address that with proper players, then you, you just wonder... We could be tinkering around and doing lovely things on the training ground and changing the club's philosophy and all the rest of it. But the fundamentals, he doesn't seem to be making any impact on at all. Uh, and as a result, the results are going down. And, you know, I hope he is the guy. He's a nice enough fella. You know, you hope he, and, you know, his pedigree, it's a shame when you just bring a manager in and then sack him. Mm. But, you know, I think he's got to be showing dramatic signs of improvement next, early next season. Um, for the for Arsenal to keep going that way because they can't afford, literally cannot afford to keep missing out on the Champions League. Yeah, look, I do think it's the lack of improvement that is is the worry. Look, I do want to uh, do want to focus on the FA Cup semi final um, previews a little bit uh, uh, as well. We've got to listen. We've probably talked an awful lot about Chelsea, Man City, both of them individually. I think we sort of kind of come to the conclusion that City would have to be favourites, but Chelsea are in there fighting thanks to Thomas Tuchel and uh, you know stand a chance. Uh, let's focus on the other one, and of course, it would be great to have some fans back. You know, it, it, sort of as a, as a sort of test event on 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 Sunday, those of us are going subject to sort of kind of the the um, the uh, sort of test event ourselves. We're sort of taking pre match um, uh, COVID tests, aren't we? It's uh, a, a, along with the usual sort of which has now become a habit, sort of the standard other sort of medical protocols. But um, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's you'd have to say it's a real opportunity for Leicester or Southampton. To get to the to get to the final and uh, sort of make some progress, um, you know, Leicester, what a season they're having! I know, realise, you know, controversy marred their defeat at uh, West Ham on 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 Sunday, which maybe should even mention that really as well. Um, but if they finish top four and reach the FA Cup final, what a you know remarkable season, isn't it for 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 Leicester and and Brendan Rodgers? But I have to say, Southampton have, have enjoyed some pretty high, you know, pretty good highs. Uh, this season as well, some really good performances. So you can't you can't write them off. I, I actually think this will be an absolute cracking game, won't it? Really, I think Jeremy, you're you're there, aren't you? You know, it's 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 going to be a good one. This well, I've got to pass my test first. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, look, that should be an effort, I suppose. A lot of the spotlight this weekend will be on the the City Chelsea game on Saturday because yep. obviously two high profile teams. You know, a great showdown that should be, but. We're remiss to overlook the Saints-Leicester game. Like you said, he touched on it. It should be a cracking game because actually they're mm. both, we know Leicester are consistently capable of um, producing great football. Great tied to watch. Uh, Rodgers is doing an immense job there. And Southampton, you say the highs, they've had some They've had some highs. They've had some really low lows too. I mean, obviously they, they got beaten uh, by, uh, by nine goals at United earlier this season. Leicester mm. put nine on them at St Mary's uh, the season before. So yeah, I'd never I'd never heard of that one before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a free hit for Southampton, isn't it? Yep. They've stayed up, you know, they've hovered around sort of 
the lower third of the table for the last four or five months always looked like they were never going to get dragged into the relegation zone. So, you know, it's a free hit for them. No one probably thinks they're going to beat Leicester. Uh, if they could get through and get to final, it'd be a great occasion for them because um, they don't get to many finals, obviously. Nor do Leicester, really. I mean, you know, I know they won the, the title in that astonishing season a few years ago, but Leicester don't have a huge pedigree of, um, of winning trophies. So if, if, if Rodgers could somehow get through and even win the FA Cup, it would be a huge plus on his CV um, and just sort of add more ice to the cake of what he's building at Leicester because he's done a great job there. And I think Rodgers is destined to... He's destined to get another big job within mm. the next two or three years. I can't see him staying at Leicester longer than that. Yeah, well, he's taking Leicester places. Southampton, are they are they in with a chance, Matt, do you think? Yeah, very good chance. Um, it's a bit of a race to the bottom for both the clubs at the minute in terms <laughs> of form, isn't it? Because they've kind of dipped off the cliff since you know, Leicester's last couple of results have, have made their top four position look a bit squeaky. And Southampton haven't been quite the, the force they were a, bit, a little bit earlier mm. in the season. But I think they're really up for it. I personally, I'd like Southampton to do it. Leicester have got their title. That'll always be the big deal there. Uh, 1976, you go back to, to for Southampton's only FA Cup win. Um, still talk about it uh, now. Uh, and it is a big deal for the club. Um, you know, there, there's even talk of building a statue of Laurie McMenemy to go with Ted Bates uh, um, so that they can, uh, you know, he was a manager back then. Um, uh, I asked, uh, Hazen Huttle about whether he fancied a statue if he won it and he said no his mate told him never get a statue built because the pigeons poo on your head which <laughs> I thought was an unexpected term for the press conference to take um, but, uh, but 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 you know he'd probably take that chance if it meant lifting uh, you know, a famous trophy still and they are the sorts of clubs that can lift a trophy God, you know, Spurs would, would take the FA Cup Spurs would take any trophies we discussed and, uh, and if Southampton can win it or at least get themselves into a decent, you know, into a final again against one of the the country's top teams and give themselves a chance. Then, uh, then I think that'd be something that the people would be interested, neutrals would be interested to tune in to watch. Uh, and I know you, I know you, you, do you like the FA Cup, John? You hardly ever mention it, but <laughs> did I, I not mention it? Yeah, did I not mention it? Yeah, 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 I'm very excited about this weekend. I think it'd be fantastic, actually. Both and fans things. back is going to be fantastic. fans back. I think is the thing for me. You know, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, and look, I know it's it's a bizarre one this weekend because it's a test event. It's local residents as much as anything, isn't it? And it's, 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 you know, but obviously we're going to proper fans almost, it feels like for the cup final, but it just feels as if it was going to be a new, uh, a new dawn, hopefully, and hopefully the return of fans. Pubs open, reopened, oh. and fans back in the same week can hardly well, contain my excitement. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow! I met someone. I, I, was, I actually met someone and sort of kind of ran into them almost in the pub actually because the pub's near the house really. But uh, the other day, even though I wasn't drinking, they weren't drinking. To sit in the pub garden, socially distanced, abiding all the rules, of course just still felt absolutely magical <laughs> it's just amazing absolutely amazing so I can't wait to go back and have a proper drink but anyway but there you go I've got um, another one for you John I, go I'm, on. I'm, if uh, Leicester win the FA Cup and qualify for the Champions League and City don't win the Champions League does Brendan Rodgers get manager of the year I think he probably does <laughs> I think he probably does I, d- I just think Leicester. <laughs> it's amazing what what they've done. There. Jeremy's not impressed with that. What if what if United win the Europa League and then <laughs> catch City in the title race and win the title? Does Ollie get the manager of the year? Yeah, yeah. 
Imagine how difficult that would be for you to write, Jeremy. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know. It's just, I think Leicester just—it's no longer a surprise that Leicester are in the top four, and that is the yeah, biggest. Qualify for the Champions Leicester. League, though, it's still a remarkable achievement. Absolutely, I just think it's amazing stories. what they've done as a football club. I think you know that stadium is a bit. Sorry, I think it's been overlooked with West Ham yeah. being in that battle where. Um, and the fact that they, they blew it last year and they were in it all for so long. But for the squad that they have to be in the Champions League ahead of the clubs they're ahead of, mm. it, it, I think it would be a, a massive achievement. Look, they might still blow it. They, yep. they need to turn that form around. But I think it's been, it's been overlooked because of West Ham's kind of the shock of West Ham being up there. Yeah, absolutely astonishing. It's good to see teams like Leicester and West Ham penetrating that so-called big six yeah. cabal as well, isn't it? You know, Leicester have pretty much been in the top four all season. I know they blew it last season, didn't they, after lockdown? Mm. Um, they had a horrendous finish to the season and missed out. So it, it, the pressure's on, actually, for them not to do the same this season. But they deserve, mm. up to now, they deserve to finish in the top four. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And Vardy, I mean, still... Vardy's not even scoring any goals from, is he, at the minute? He's not scoring any goals and he's struggled for form and fitness, yeah. isn't he? He really has, you know. And he basically and missed Madison for a long yeah. spell with injury. Yeah. I know he missed last weekend's game for different reasons, but, you know, that's that's a big miss to them. He's not played for several weeks now, so... Yeah, it's it's astonishing, really. I mean, the you know the club is 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 brilliantly run. I think sort of kind of the stadium, brilliant new training ground. Yeah, absolutely going good young players, young places. Yeah, really, really, really good. Um, guys, anyway, let's let's finish on, on on perhaps one of our and finally moments. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask yourselves, ask you guys to perhaps not take yourselves too seriously because journalists never do that, do they? We, ne- we never take ourselves at all seriously, do we? And we're always ready to laugh at ourselves. Not. Um, but basically, the, the one that really made me laugh this week when I sort of kind of on, 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 saw it on social media, if I'm honest, was Michelle Owen from, from Sky, who I have to say I think is, is, is brilliant on, 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 on Soccer Saturday and actually, you know, makes the, makes the screen, screen light up. And she's absolutely terrific at what she does. Always has fantastic fun and banter and a really good reporter. Um, but she was, you know, she was basically... Yeah, Shall we say she she repeated Chris Kamara's greatest moment um, by by missing a key moment in in a game? Of course, you know Chris Kamara all those years ago sort of missing 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 a goal, didn't he? I think Michelle basically sort of kind of missing missing a red card in a crucial moment. Um, and I have to say, I don't, you know, I think there's an awful lot going on when an empty stadium, basically, sometimes I think people sort of miss this. So basically, there's an awful lot going on with sort of deadlines, producer in your ear and everything going on. For, so for TV reporters, it's a totally different ball game. But I think in spirit of that, you know, I think it'd be so naive to suggest that no journalist has ever made a mistake. Um, we're probably lucky that uh, and Andy Dunn's not here to trump out absolutely everybody. But, um, and, but basically, you know, guys, Without taking themselves too seriously, what is the biggest mistake that you've you've ever ever made? Um, and perhaps you know, have a laugh at yourselves here as as I say this. Jeremy, come on, set the set the tone. I'm not sure I should be telling this story, but I'm going to tell it. Go on. So many moons ago, turn of the century, actually, uh, millennium, was working for a provincial paper up in Leeds. Um, 
Still sort of feeling my way a bit into sports reporting back then. Anyway, the sports editor decided to send me to an England game at Wembley. And um, I was excited about it. So I um, thought I'll make a weekend of this. So um went down to London, arranged to meet a friend after the game, go around Covent Garden for a few cheeky beers, um, stayed over. So I'm sat at Wembley watching this England game and um, it was a dreadful game. I'll refer to it later, which game it was. But um, with about 10 minutes to go, I thought, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the rush. I'm going to leave early. Miss the end of the game, go back to meet my pal, um, have a few beers. So I did, left, walked down Wembley Way, got on the tube, went into London, walked into this pub I'd arranged to meet him in. As soon as I walked in, he stood there crowded around the TV with about another dozen blokes and he looked at me and so I went, what are you doing here? So what do you mean I'm meeting you? I said, yeah, but shouldn't you be there? I'm playing to the telly. Keegan had quit as England manager. And I was looked at the telly and just felt immediately ill, thinking Keegan's resigned in the toilets at Wembley. And I've missed it all. <laughs> I had to write sort of quite a lot of words the following morning and pretend that I'd actually been there at the press conference and I'd not I'd ducked out early. And I was thinking, I laugh about it now, but I don't think I I managed to I managed to keep it a secret from my ex-boss, but um I always chuckle about it now, but for weeks on end, I was paranoid about him finding out. <laughs> so yeah, one of my, bright, one of my big brightest decision I ever made. I did worry. I did worry about this section. Yeah, you probably proved me right. <laughs> Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> that was the. Can you remember you? You were at that game, were you, Crossy? No, was, I was in. Um, I was in Australia covering the Olympics. Oh, we yeah. It was a dread. It rained up. Were you at that game, Donny? When no, no, Didier Mann scored 1 0, Germany beat yeah, 1 0. Remember, obviously, what's was really, like evening, mate? Yeah. <laughs> it was raining all day. It was a really miserable day. I just thought, I'm out of it. Yeah. I've not done it since, though, I hasten to add. I never will again. <laughs> a lesson. A lesson. Chris. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I can't obviously match that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, my problem is I've made a lot of gaffes, but I, I try to bury them away in my head. So, and then every so often, something will remind me of it, and I get like a cold sweat about it. But um, there's been a lot, but little silly ones like even this season, um, having Dominic Calvert Lewin scoring a penalty against Tottenham when it was Guilfrey Sigurdsson, um, and seeing that in print the next day uh, haunted me for. Uh, it was a 5-4 game against um, uh, against Tottenham in the FA Cup. And I have no excuse for this because it wasn't like at the late. It was like 43rd minute. But Calvert-Lewin got fouled and I then just for some reason had a, a bit of a a brain fart and just assumed he'd taken the penalty. And then never, because then the, the, it ended up going to extra time and being bananas with our deadlines, uh, I never checked it and uh, it made the paper the next day which was a bit of a haunt of part of mine but uh, yeah that's that that was uh, my most recent one I think of you were of still sat up. there at the end though at the final whistle at least weren't you yeah I was still okay. there right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good Matt <laughs> Matt the <laughs> man who never gets anything wrong yeah, never get anything wrong. um fair play by the way if Michelle Owen 
committed what was known as a cami, then uh, Crossy's come up with an Andy Dunn of a of a story to follow it up. It's, it's good that they take a you can put a name to those sorts of anecdotes now. So so yeah, nice Andy that Crossy. Um, my, mine's a bit more boring. I think we always get in most trouble when we do ask the predictions. So and uh, staying close to home, I was look, flicking back through uh, previous shows of this right back to the start of the season uh, after the first weekend when I boldly predicted that a club in turmoil of shambles from top to bottom, uh, riddled with doubts and stories and infighting, that the West Ham were back, bound to get relegated this season. Uh, and the only thing that made me feel slightly better was that John Cross afterwards saying, yeah, I think you're probably right. So, uh, did so Yeah, he did. I don't know no, I did, really. I think it was at a time when there was talk of takeovers and selling off young stars and they just lost 2-0 to Newcastle on the opening day. So... But but in, on that line, that that pales into insignificance um, compared to my the biggest, the worst prediction I ever made, which was when I watched uh, did a bit of tennis in the summer and uh, and watched Thomas Burditch in two thousand and ten outmuscle um, an aging Roger Federer uh, in the quarterfinals and predicted that Roger Federer won his last Wimbledon had no future in the game would be nearly 30 next year uh, and had no future uh, winning Grand Slams. And, of course, you know, he's, he's only won four since and then carried on and been world number one for the best part of the next decade. So I think that was probably my biggest gaffe was was writing Roger Federer's tennis obituary back in 2010. Wow. Love Crossy? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna sort of hope that being a host would get me off the hook on this no, one, no, 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 but no. no. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there's obviously countless, and so I, I always do like to have a bit of a bit bit of a laugh and take the Mickey out of other people's uh, misfortunes because I know I've made so many of my own really, and never try. I always try and never take life too seriously. So I'll chuck one that basically is is. Um, is is absolutely years and years old, really. But basically, uh, shows have been going on for years, really. Uh, well, two thousand and two, on the eve of the World Cup, I had uh, on the back page of the Daily Mirror Matt Janssen going to the World Cup, and that was still, that still basically, that still obviously you can't, you know, can't get more. But someone, was someone that exclusive. He probably was at the time. What I, I have to say, maybe slightly what came out afterwards was sort of kind of some consolation that basically did get measured for a suit, basically, and was in a sort of a provisional squad, but ultimately he didn't go, did he? But basically, we think he was pretty, pretty damn close. And uh, and that one basically still haunts me, basically. Um, that 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 was the one. I'm going to dig that up on uh, on the internet later. Yeah, thanks. thanks. I screenshot it to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was yeah yeah that that's the one that sort of kind of missed many others. I think you know. So were um, you just before we finish? Mm. Were you at St George's Park the other year when um, we were stood in the corridor and uh, Southgate Gareth Southgate was walking past us and there was a few of us congregating outside in the corridor and one of our ex-colleagues who I shall remain nameless was keen to say hello to Mr Southgate and as Southgate walked past he said hiya Gary <laughs> Southgate can you remember? No Were you not there? You must have been at St George's it was one of those media days and we were outside me and my ex-colleague were outside and Southgate walked past us and um, Oh my god My, my mm. former colleague just said Hiya, Gary. And Southgate looked, the look on Southgate's face was like, who's oh Gary? 
you don't even know the proper name of the England manager. Oh, right. What hope oh. is there for anyone else? No. It was funny. You see, let's see the funny side of it, but that was amusing. Yeah, That's someone funny. else's gaff then. Yeah, absolutely. We're throwing in them. We could be here for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got a game tonight, so I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, there you go. Right, guys, thanks so much for your company. Um, really, really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll just edit out the last bit. We? Uh, anyway, but um, but no, thanks so much. We really appreciate it and I hope everyone has enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for your company and uh, see you same time, same place next week. 